Brothers and sisters, welcome, happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Okay, I need more than that. He is risen. He is risen indeed. One more time, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Yes, yes, we are a hallelujah, hope-oriented people looking into the future. And this day marks the culmination, the beginning of hope, not the end of the journey, but the starting point of where we go from here with this new knowledge, reminder, security of our faith in Jesus that is alive, that Jesus is here, brothers and sisters, here, here with us by his spirit. And we take that seriously and joyfully joyfully and we engage with it. And over this last season, we've been journeying on this road to hope together, the culmination of which is today, and it's not lost on us that, I mean, look around, take a second, look around right now. We are the body of Christ enmeshed, infused together and billions of people around the world are doing the same thing, proclaiming he is risen, he is here, we are here, we are the manifestation, the physical presence of the body of Christ, amen? Amen. Amen. Come on. Yes. Yes. And so we've been on this journey of uh, a road to hope, all of these different uh, prayers and postures and themes that have been getting us to this moment. And so we are so excited as a teaching team, as a panel, to be with you as brothers and sisters together. Quincy is here. I'm here. Carmen is here. And special guest, give it up for Christy Penner Warden. Woo woo. Christy is our, uh, oh, that's enough of that. Uh, <laughs> Christy is our Kid Max and Curriculum Pastor, and you've been like the creative engine force behind uh, this Road to Hope uh, experience for us as a church. So give us a little bit of a snapshot from inception to like culmination today, what this has been. Sure, yeah. So the Road to Hope was actually a work that I started writing well over a year ago. And it was at a time when we didn't know what last Easter would look like. And I had this sense, I was working with a different church at that time, and I had this sense that we needed to be really gentle going into Easter. And that as households were gathering in their own homes to contemplate Easter, to walk through Lent, I had this sense that we just needed to be really gentle with one another and walk slowly. I have watched what happens in leading kids for a number of years. I call it Easter whiplash, where we are in this grief and suffering place on Good Friday and then jazz handsy celebration on Sunday morning. And that's a really short distance to travel with big feelings and big ideas. And so the idea was to walk really gently towards Easter last year. But at my first staff meeting, I think, in October here at the meeting house, uh, Daryl had asked if anyone was interested in joining the month of prayer team, and I thought, absolutely not. I have a new job to figure out. And then I was reminded that, um, well, I've been on this journey of a month of prayer with Jesus before, and I said, I don't know, I wrote this thing last year, maybe it's helpful, like maybe it would work. And what I would want you to know from that experience of sort of offering up this thing that, um, that I wrote out through prayer and contemplation, through curating uh, some prayers and ideas and tangible objects, was that ours is a God who goes ahead of us. He is a God who supplies hope in advance of us even knowing we needed it. We agreed as a staff team by November to do the road to hope. And by December, there was a team involved. By February, you had signed up to join us on this road to hope. And then, of course, lament landed at just a moment when we felt that collectively as a community. 
so I would say that I have experienced this hope in a fresh way at looking at what God did in advance for us as a church community even a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. And Christy, what would you say was like a key moment or, or learning theme posture for you as you've, mm. as you've led us, but also journeyed with uh, in this process? What would you say? As I was talking with different pastors about, you know, jumping on board with this road to hope, I heard myself saying over and over, God, uh, over, and over again, isn't God kind? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't he so kind and generous and good? And even the order of the words as we walked out this road to hope, I would say, I would have told you last year they were rather arbitrary or random in the walking out, but it became really clear as we walked them out in this community and this season that he had ordained our steps in advance from lament to meditate to forgive. The order that we landed in those spaces, it's like he knew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was just so kind. <laughs> it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, and exactly that. I mean, hope, like when you think about hope, when, when we hear that word collectively, we can sometimes be like lulled to sleep that like, Hope is this rested Christian state of like leaning back and fingers crossed applesauce. Hopefully God, you do something. But what we learn is that hope is an active posture, is an active tradition of moving forward to. It's what we do with it, not how we think about it that just matters. And so I'm excited for us to to kind of extrapolate on that and talk about what does hope doing something mm-hmm. look like? What does it look like when hope is, you know, intention, when hope, you know, is, is tested? And what does it look like when hope is like actually moving forward and testifying, telling a story? And that's, that's who we are. We are storytellers. We're storytellers that move towards uh, action. And so Quincy, why don't you get the ball rolling? Yeah, love to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> The energy is like, I, I, I'm, I'm a little more laid back, as you know, and, um, and uh, so all the, all the energy is just, I feel it, but it's all like in the inside deep. Um, but uh, but this, this idea, so hope tested, I think, is, is something that, that I want to take a little time talking about. And this, this testing of hope, is, that is it doesn't always end up how we plan, right? right. Or that we'd hope for. Yep. Um, if we can rewind a little bit back, like a week previous, we were talking about Palm Sunday, and it's a celebration, and people's hopes and their expectations were very high, but things were a little different. Um, so you, you know the pageants, like the Easter pageants, where the kids are there, they're waving the, um, the palm branches in celebration and anticipation. But for uh, the Jewish mind in the first century, the implication would have been very different. So much different. So they would have been uh, commemorating 200 years before uh, the last time that the Jews had overthrown some kind of uh, occupation. Mm-hmm. So this, these palm branches were less about like something exciting and more, more like a war cry yeah. as they were anticipating the new Messiah. So they're, they're, they're waving the palm branches, they're yelling like um, rescue us or Hosanna, which I always thought was another name for Jesus, right? You sing the song, it's like Hosanna in the highest, yeah. right? Like it's a, it's a nice name, but... But it's not a name, it's, it's actually a, a plea and a call for rescue. So the people are, are crying out with these uh, independence flags almost, waving, yeah. saying, save us, save rescue us. us. They're saying, save, 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 over and over again. And, and they may as well have been saying, kill, kill, yeah. kill. Because in their minds, the only way to, to, to get freedom for those that are oppressing you is to conquer them, to right? is, to, yeah. is to overthrow them, is to crush them. 
So in their minds, they're looking for another war, uh, another battle, and ultimately another victory. So this is why they're, they're waving the flags in this way. And it reminds me of another, uh, another story of Jesus and his disciples um, where they're wanting to, so they're having a conversation with Jesus and, and uh, John and James, they come and they say, uh, when you set up your kingdom, we wanna be on your left and we wanna be on your right. And it's another, another instance of them getting uh, their hope in the wrong place, right? Their expectations of saying, we wanna be on your left and right. And Jesus smiles at them and is like, you guys, you, oh, don't, even, you don't even know what you're asking. <laughs> And what's most fascinating, uh, ridiculous, and also like uh, convicting for me is that right before, like moments before they asked, hey, we wanna be on your left and right, Jesus just finished telling them, yeah, okay, so when we go into Jerusalem, I'm gonna be arrested, I'm gonna be brought in front of the authorities, I'm gonna be beaten, I'm gonna be tried, and then ultimately I'm gonna be crucified. That's what he said to them. It's not the first time, he's, it's like the third time that he said this to them. <laughs> And as soon as he says that, they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. great, 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 sure, sure. Okay, yeah, 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 all right. Can we be on your left hand and your right hand? So it's like they don't even, they don't even <laughs> hear, hear what he's saying, yeah. right? And, and for me, it's almost like it's, um, like I said, it, it's, it's, it's crazy, but also a warning to me is how often do we get our, our hearts and our minds so set on a way of hoping for something that is going to look particularly like this thing that we have our minds made up, that when something different happens for that, we get completely thrown off, right? Like, this idea of power for them would be conquering, victory, war, but Jesus had a different, a different way. The people, they had hoped for a war horse to come in and they get a donkey, right? They hope for, uh, they hope for a sword and they get a, a cross. They get a crucifixion instead. So I think in my own life, if maybe for you, it's like you think of power, like my hope isn't to be on a throne or in a kingdom or something like that, but maybe the hope is everything is gonna work out exactly how I planned it, mm -hmm. right? My hope is that nothing ruffles my feathers or gets in the way of my plan. And, uh, and, and that's, that's been my, uh, my challenge in this hope of testing. It's like, no, it's, it's more than getting what we hope for. Yeah. Um, and even if we don't want want a crown. Uh, sometimes we just love our comfort so much, right? We, we just want our couches. <laughs> we love our couches. We just want to be comfortable. But, uh, but that, that's what I've been, I've been sitting with yeah. uh, this past little while. Mm -hmm. Just the, the, the love, not, not, not necessarily my want for crown and power, but just my hope for comfort. And that's not always God's plan. And that's far too convicting, by the way, Quincy. But Good. to kind of yeah. run Good that enough. theme through, I think, I think you're really onto something there. As we talk about this idea of hope, I think for us, when our comfort and certainty is tested, it, it causes us to actually flip into questioning. To say, well, wait a minute. We start to get a little bit rattled and we start to think, if these aren't happening, if these aren't true, is there even any space to have Hope, we as a people, I think collectively have a propensity to question when the certainty is shaken and um, when the comfort might be taken away. So like you said, maybe for us it isn't about power, but it's about assuming that hope equals comfort. Right. And I think we start to have this questioning of like, well, can we even have hope if those things are taken away? And as so carrying this theme through the, the Easter story, the reason why we're here today, we actually see that same tension existing yeah. in the resurrection story. This idea of when comfort or when certainty or when things that don't go the way you think they're gonna go, 
there starts to be a questioning of hope. And so through this morning, like we're, we're kind of jumping around through a few passages of scripture. I'm gonna land for just a few minutes in Matthew 28. If you wanna follow along, you can. I'm not taking it verse by verse, but we see this in the resurrection story and in the story of the women who were the first people to hear of Jesus uh, being resurrected. It came through the story of the women. And so to just back up a bit, the women that were there, some of them are named, some of them aren't, but there's a collection of women who, when Jesus was alive through his life and his ministry would have journeyed with him. They would have followed him, they would have interacted and engaged with him, which by the way was completely countercultural. And they would have had their lives changed by him. And the point of this morning, and we don't actually have time to do a deep dive into the subversive ways that Jesus modeled engagement with women, but it changed these women's lives. They were a part of a culture and a society where they weren't really considered full functioning members of society. They wouldn't have been recorded in accounts of things. They wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been appropriate to engage with them. And story after story, after account after account, that's what we see Jesus doing with these women. So it's really no surprise that they walk with him through to his death and then after his death, they are the ones to walk to the tomb, fully prepared to prepare his body in his death. And so I want us to think for a minute about what it would have been like for them. Where would their hope have gone as they see the one that changed their lives be crucified? When all of their comfort and certainty was lost, did they still have hope? And this, this is like just intersect here. This is the incredible part that all four of the gospels record this account of the women, which is really significant and really important. See, the women, they were first. And they were the ones that Jesus first revealed himself to after being resurrected. The ones who weren't even worthy of being named. Jesus goes to first. So when the entire trajectory of history happened, when the entire linchpin to our Christian faith happened, they were there first, and they were empowered to go and tell others and imagine the hope that they would have had in that moment. Matthew 28 talks about this journey to the tomb, learning of Jesus' resurrection. Think of the hope that would have filled them. But then it's important to note that that hope was actually tested, and it brought tension. Because <laughs> it wasn't smooth sailing from there. Not everyone believed them. And they actually started to have some uncertainty themselves. They started to even question themselves. So even in their hope, there was tension. And so just wanna take us for a minute and maybe like, I don't know what you wanna call it, like an imaginative contemplation. You don't need to just sit up here and listen to us talk. I want you to think for a minute. If you're an eye closer, feel free to close your eyes. If you're just to sit and settle in, whether you're watching on the live stream or whether you're hanging out here, wherever you are, just sit and just picture for a minute that experience of the women. Picture being there with them that morning. How heavy does their grief feel that their certainty was shaken? What would that walk to the tomb have been like for them? Do you think they were talking with one another? Or were words just too heavy and too much and there's just a thick air between them? The Bible says they were holding spices what smells would have been around them as they made that walk to the tomb? And then, then they get there and they were questioning how they were even gonna roll this heavy stone away to do the work they needed to do. But they arrive and the stone's been moved and there's an empty tomb. So imagine what they would have been feeling 
they enter slowly and they can't find Jesus' body anywhere. Has the fear set in for them yet? A deepening grief, grief and confusion to think that someone has stolen the body of their beloved Lord? But then, then they encounter an angel. An angel who tells them that Jesus isn't here because he's been risen. How do you think they felt? How would you feel? Would there have been instant hope? Or would there have been tension and fear? Is this a truth they can believe? And then what do they do with that instruction to go tell others, them, a bunch of women? Who are they to go tell the men? Matthew 28, verse eight says, the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, but yet filled with joy. So do you see that there's tension mixed in with their hope? And then, then they encounter Jesus. You can come back if your eyes are closed. They come, they encounter Jesus and they don't actually recognize him right away. I think their minds are still trying to get wrapped around this idea of what is happening right now. Can I permission myself to feel the hope? But then when they do realize it's Jesus, oh, the joy. Oh, imagine what they would have felt in that moment, holding, having held for days so much grief and sorrow and uncertainty and tension and confusion, but then encountering hope on the road. Here is the thing with hope. When we feel shaken and when things change, we can, we can question if hope is even worth having, if we can even have it at all. But Jesus hasn't changed. And that's true of the experience the women had too. He hadn't changed. Everything he said would happen and everything he said he was came to be true in his resurrection. He was who he said he was and the women were the first to encounter this overwhelming wave of hope in that truth. And when he encountered them, he invited the witness of the women into that hope. And the same is true for us too. Jesus hasn't changed. Jesus hasn't changed. That's the, way, the reason we can say hallelujah on today is because Jesus hasn't changed. And maybe you can resonate with some of those feelings that, you know, as we imagined, the feelings that the women had of the tension, of the fear, of the confusion. Maybe you can imagine that because you rel relate to that because we have tension too. There is tension in the things we experience in our everyday lives, but everything Jesus has said he is, is still true for us today. And he invites us into the witness of the hope that he has through his resurrection today. And that is why we gather today. Mm -hmm. See, hope is not the absence of tension. It's not like, I think we sometimes think that if things are all, when things are all kind of clean and concise and going the way they should, then I'll allow myself to hope. But hope isn't the absence of tension. Hope is present because of the tension. Hope is the journey we have through it together. Yeah, it's so good. Mm -hmm. So hope is tested, hope through tension, and then hope testifies, it tells a story. I love Carmen, like again, mm -hmm. focusing on the first witness and we can be lulled into like sleep or slumber thinking, well, yeah, yeah, the church kind of just like went out from there. They didn't. Yeah. The first, like again, think about hope testifies. It tells a different story. It changes the story. Everything that Jesus said remained the same, but how the first followers, the first witnesses interpreted it 
and what they did with it shifted like crazy. So in John's gospel, which is like the most philosophical gospel, the, the word, the logos, the presence of God made flesh in Jesus comes to earth and turns the lights on, turns the lights on. Darkness is no longer overpowering, overcoming. The light of the world has come here and made his dwelling among us. And then what happens? He dies on a stake at the hands of Rome with the blessing of religion. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. And so the first uh, woman in John's gospel is Mary Magdalene, who, who it's not lost on us that this is a person of ill repute. It's somebody that like you can infer through reading John's gospel, especially that let's like, oh, Mary is here again. My goodness, she is always such a disruptor, et cetera, et cetera. She is the very first person to the tomb. And what is she doing? Is she expecting resurrection? No, she's ready to encounter death. She's brought spices. She's brought things to bury. That's it. The story's over. We go back to the exact same story of power we've always heard in religion and that we've always heard in politics and that seems to be governing the world. And then she enters into the tomb, the stone is rolled away and Jesus' body is not there, but who is? Two messengers of God. John's gospel writes that two men in white robes are standing there and what do they do? Do they prop up the power, the story, the propagation of politics and religion at the time saying, oh, it's a woman. Let's wait for the men to get here. No, they tell her, who are you looking for? He is not here. And then Mary through tears is like, well, what have they done? She rips back to the disciples who are where? So the first followers of Jesus, the men, the people of power who've studied under this rabbi, what are they doing? They're hiding. <laughs> They're in an indiscreet location. They are, are terrified of the political occupation that is. They are terrified of what judgment that they may face at the hands of their own religion. And what are the men doing? Hiding. What are the women doing? They're active, but the men are hiding away. The first witness of the resurrection, not even in bodily form, the first witness of resurrection is the most marginalized subset of the population at the time. It's the women. It's Mary Magdalene who Who's, who's followed at the heels of Jesus, a disciple who says they have taken the body. And then you would think that the story would then change. The disciples would be like, it's, oh my goodness, we're reinterpreting our scripture. Instead, John's gospel, all the gospels record the brutal honesty of hiding in insecurity. Mm -hmm. They aren't, haven't sorted out their own sense of theology or like, well, what if, what if, what if? They are terrified. They are honest with their own doubts. They are hiding away because they believe it is over and then a marginalized voice, the lowest subset of the population at the time comes screaming into this upper room and not all of them are even there. One of the disciples is missing. He's like, I'm oh, good. I got to go back and get some groceries or something. Uh, she comes screaming into the room and says, They've he he's alive, he's alive, we witnessed. And the two disciples go running to the tomb. And even then, I love how you mentioned uh, the two brothers. Uh, you see this clamoring for power again. In John's gospel, we read that like, well, Peter, the disciple who was so important, ran to the tomb, but the other disciple whom Jesus loved, beat him, he yeah. was faster. Da, 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 da. You can even see in the story that this, this the disease of power, of lording over, not leading under, has taken root in the, the, the hearts of the disciples, but Jesus is undoing that. Jesus is undoing that. They get to the tomb and they don't witness Jesus. A reminder, who is the only person who has witnessed Jesus at this time? It's Mary, the woman. Hope testifies. It tells a different story. It does not prop up politics. It does not reinforce religion. It subverts it through serving, leading, and loving through mm -hmm. other-centeredness. And so they scream back to, right? Yes. Can I get a witness? Yes. <laughs> Thank you for that sparse applause. <laughs> 
So they go back to the upper room and then a, a, a time period later, what happens? Jesus appears, mm-hmm. appears. So Thomas is back. Jesus appears to them. And what does he says? All right, boys, let's get our guns. Mm-hmm. All right, boys, let's pick up our swords. All right, boys, Rome is over. You know, our, our sense of religiosity and entitlement, it's ours. Let's take over. Israel is back on her throne. Nope. What does he say? Peace be with you a common greeting of a brother, of a brother, not a warrior, not a king who is lording authority over, a brother, an equal, this God who is subverting empire, who is leading through love and other-centeredness. And then I love how how the the story continues. So at first they hide, and then what's the second thing that they do? Do they start to write like creedal definitions of the Trinity? Do they start to write about heaven or hell? No, they just get out there and they help. They get out there and they help. They are not stuck in just like, let's, let's, let's have some catchphrases and some cool Christian t-shirts that we get out there with. <laughs> Instead, they move out into the world because hope does something. Hope does something. They go out and they help. One of my favorite and probably what I think is the, one of the funniest sections in the New Testament is Acts 111, Acts 111. And so Jesus has, has appeared a bunch of times by then. We're seeing the acts of the apostles, how they acted out their faith. And they they are with Jesus on a mountainside and then he ascends into heaven. They're like, oh my goodness, so what now? And then two men in white robes appear to them again. Where have we heard this before? And what did they say? Yes, keep staring up into the heavens. No, they say, men of Galilee, for the love of God, literally, why do you stand here staring into the sky? He is not here, but he will return. There's stuff for you to do. Go, go, stop talking about it and do it. And so they help, they go out and they help. And then what's the third thing that they do? They hope, they hope. They have a renewed sense of purpose on planet earth, a renewed sense of the hope of the love of God that's made manifest, perfect, exemplified in Jesus, the hope of the resurrection that this thing that we feared so much, the end of our lives and the end of the life of the Messiah. Messiahs came and went all the time in that time period, but, but, but the went was the defining thing. That, that person died. Jesus is alive. He's resurrected the hope of the resurrection. And then they had hope for humanity. The purpose of a human is not to lay on a couch and read in silence or singleness or alone. It's actually to, to go out into the world, to make disciples, teaching them, baptizing them, to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And where do we do this? Well, just in Jerusalem, just in Oakville. Nope. Into Samaria. Wait, that's an enemy territory there too. Yes. And where else? To the ends of the earth. Wow, the ends of the, that's a big, big geography, Jesus. Yep. This is the story of humanity, that humanity made, made renewed by the hope of God and the resurrection of Christ is an unstoppable force of good in Amen. the world. Brothers and sisters, that's what our hope in action is, that we as the body of Christ made manifest here are the unstoppable force of good in the world, reflecting Jesus despite being tested, despite living in tension. Hope is action-oriented. We have a story to tell, yes. and we need to do it. We need to do Amen. it. Amen. And so, preach, so preach, what? Preach, 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 preach. So what? <laughs> what are we meant to do? Mm. What are the, like, the action mm-hmm. steps that we today, on Easter Sunday in 2022, can walk out into the world? Quincy. <laughs> Just give it to us, man. What do you got? Yeah. Boy, man, preach it, man. I, 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 I don't even remember what I was about to say. I'm just, I'm, I'm in it, man. I'm like, I'm fired up. Let's do it. Yeah. I, 
What can we do? I think, I think one of the things that we can do, and me, I, 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 start, I always start small, I always start simple. Yeah. And it's like um, thinking of the names and faces of the people that are in my world. And I, I, I believe that God is speaking to us and through us always and constantly. So for me, easy, practical, take out the phone, set an appointment, send a text message to just be with somebody and listen to their story. Yeah, sit with them. Yep. Just sit with them. Because I'm, I'm, I'm amazed, you, you mentioned it earlier at the beginning, that we're a, a, a people of the story, mm. right? A people of stories. And that there's something so powerful that happens when you get to experience someone else's story, yeah. right? Yeah. Just being able to listen closely and like, oh, this is the, like, and they may not even be able to see it and perceive it in the moment, but to be able to know God is at work in the, in the, in the stories and the lives of other people. So just to sit and listen yeah. and learn and be amazed, amazed by the good things that God is doing sure. in people's yeah. lives, so. Amen. That'll be my piece. My yeah. piece, yeah. And I would add, uh, so listening to someone else, my gosh, you could stop there. Um, in, the, in the Easter story, in the resurrection story, what were the women first instructed to do? Go tell others. What were Jesus' last words to his disciples and to us before he left? Go tell others. And so this Sunday, this, this week, this season for us as followers of Jesus we can go tell others. We can go tell others of the hope that we have. That instruction didn't stop thousands of years ago. That instruction is for us too. The hope isn't meant to be hidden away in a room somewhere. Mm -hmm. That hope is to shift who we are and then shift those around us. And so my practical, what can you do this week is similar. Pull out the phone, start to think, start to scroll and be like, who can I share my story of hope with? And let's name it. I've been thinking about this, praying about this for us as a church. What if, let's name it. We're in a challenging season as a church. But what if the thing that defined us as a church isn't that our circumstances caused us to question, can we even hope anymore? Mm. What if this season of our church was defined by the fact that we know the truth mm -hmm. that Jesus hasn't changed mm -hmm. and we have more hope mm -hmm. than ever? Yes. <laughs> and so tell it. Yes. Tell the part of the story of the hope you have alongside the tension, alongside the hard stuff. You have hope because Jesus is who he says he is. Mm -hmm. And so think about that and go tell. And then for us as a church, let's collectively go tell. We have a story of hope that isn't meant to stay hidden in this room. Amen. 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 So, yeah, so... <laughs> Listen, tell, and then serve, serve. I know for many of us, um, my wife is like the consummate introvert. So for her to go and tell, she's like, oh, please, Lord, no, not, not for me. And I see some of those nodding heads. Mm -hmm. so, Amen. <laughs> so serving, serving. Where can we make an actual, tactile, tangible, real life difference in the world? In the first and second century, the people of the way, which was the, the self-description of the Christians, were known as a hospital for the sick, were known as like a healing institution, a movement for the people who were brokenhearted and marginalized. Our story is getting out there, getting involved and caring caring, caring for people who otherwise would not have the experience of hope, rejecting the, the dangers of religion and, and politics and actually getting involved with people, serving, serving, entering into their story and helping where they need help. Uh, in fact, in the, in the second century, there's a story of a Roman emperor who had heard so much that like these new people of the way seem to be so bent on their love for Jesus that they're helping a lot of people. Uh, we should 
probably put a stop to that because their numbers are growing too large. Imagine if that was our story again. We're not totally sure all the time what we believe. We wrestle with these tensions, doubts, and even the, the, the struggle of our own uh, reality right now, but we can do something about it. We can step into the world knowing that we are meant to be an unstoppable force of good that is recreating the world. Our Christian faith is not about us, is not, is not philosophical or ethereal escapism. It's not about us just getting through safe passage in life and then going somewhere else. It's about heaven crashing into earth. Heaven crashing into earth. Us being part of the story of God by redeeming the world one life, one story, one person at a time. And so what does hope look like? What do we do today, brothers and sisters, this week, this month? We listen, we tell, we serve. And then Chrissy, over to you. What do you think? I love the book of Hebrews. I love the way the author of the book of Hebrews takes the word hope and weaves it into the whole of the book. A few years ago, I spent a lot of time in the book of Hebrews, and part of it was because it's where we often find the definition of our faith. We love to quote Hebrews 11.1. Now, faith is being confident of what we hope for, being sure of what we do not see, And I got to that point reading this book for probably the 20th time in a row and went, what? (laughs) So we're defining one intangible thing by another intangible thing? Like, that's not even helpful. We're going to define faith by hope. And I could feel in that testing of my own hope, the tension rising in my body. And I thought, but I've, we've been reading about, like, the whole book is about hope. And so I started reading the book backwards. And I went back to 10 and it said, now let us hold unswervingly to this hope that we profess because he who has promised is faithful. And it was like holding unswervingly to something that I couldn't tangibly hold and my fingernails were now embedded in my palms. There was nothing in my grip. And as I read backwards, looking for how did we get here? How did we get to a definition of faith that's grounded in hope? How did this happen? And isn't it just like Jesus to show up right in the middle? Isn't that just like him to meet us right in the middle of that tension, right in that place of being tested? And so right in the middle of the book of Hebrews, chapter six, this is what we see. We have this hope as an anchor, tangible for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Did you see what the author did there? Hope went from it to he. Our hope is not intangible. It's not even actually an anchor. Our hope is... Jesus, our hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And he didn't just enter there. The veil, that curtain that he went behind, it tore and it fell. And the very presence of our living God was poured out on all of us in that moment. He is alive. Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) Our hope 
hope is not intangible. Our hope is Jesus. We have this hope firm and secure. Let us hold unswervingly to him because he who has promised is faithful. Then you can get past 11, land in 12, and receive this word. Therefore, since we are surrounded, that's you and me, by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, our living hope, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right, not Peter, he (laughs) sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him, not it, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Hope is an active posture. Let's pray. Jesus, our living hope, we pray that you strengthen our feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for our feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Would you empower us to live in peace with everyone and to be holy? Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Would you see to it within us that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many? And therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful to you, Jesus, and so worship you, God, acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire and Jesus is our living hope. Amen. 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 And now, may the love of God, the power of the resurrection, and the hope of Jesus be with us and go with us now and forever. Amen. 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 Amen.